Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the Green Bar Sports on a Sunday morning. Goldsmith swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. Green Bar, your distributor for electrical and datacom needs. Billiken win! Billiken win! Now from the Stiefel Financial Sports Studio, Tom Ackerman. You know, Max Local Eats is the best burger in town. It is the best. Um, with all respect to all the others, and I might get a couple of emails of protests there, but and I hate picking favorites, but Max is the best. But 28 patties, man. I mean, it is just. How many just, patties do you think you could do? That's just obscene. Well, you know, in my early days, Drew, I probably would think that I could do 28. You know, <laughs> I could probably take down a, a hearty 10 probably back in the day and maybe, you know, think at that point, well, I could double that up. And if I could do 20, I could do eight more. Uh, No, I mean, today, three. (laughs) I mean, I'm not, I just, I have no interest in eating that much anymore. I mean, I like to eat, Mm -hmm. but I I think as, as I've gotten a little bit older and I'm 48 for anybody curious, I just, uh, I enjoy the taste of food. I eat until I'm satisfied and then I'm good. But yeah, back all dude. I mean, in my twenties. You know, and I would probably chase that with like two or three beers after eating a 28 patty burger. (laughs) Uh, That's good. Well, welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, Yesterday, you know, I've been eating healthy lately, but I took down a sausage and egg biscuit on my way to uh, Murray, Kentucky. Boy, McDonald's serving up that uh, that nice little breakfast and coffee for the drive. That felt pretty good. And then I headed in to check out uh, the great... uh, atmosphere that is Murray State and saw Southern Illinois knock them off down 20 in the second half, came back and won it. That was fun. Uh, got to listen to the Billikens game on the way home. Uh, actually, I just got home when they started, and that was not fun. I just, you know, the complete opposite. The Billikens get beat. Travis Ford's going to join us at the bottom of the hour. He sounded just at a loss for words in the postgame uh, visit with Bob Ramsey and Earl Austin Jr. So he's with us at 1030 today. Mizzou's not very good. Uh, they lost to South Carolina 72-64, but they're coming along. They're coming along just fine um, next year. Not now. I don't like the way they play. and their, their offense isn't very appealing to me. It's not that it's not good. It's just not exciting. I, I don't like just sitting there and throwing threes up in the air and hoping for the best. But that's what happens right now. But Mizzou's class coming in is going to be exceptional. Uh, Illinois beating Indiana yesterday did not sit very well with me as an Indiana alum, but I'm impressed with Illinois. Um, Indiana is a little shorthanded. Khalil Ware is out. Uh, they've 
just uh, but mostly they just have played poor basketball. They don't shoot the three. Then when they do, they don't make them. <laughs> and you know they didn't make a three yesterday for the first time since uh, you know like George H W Bush was president or something like that. I mean it's just seventy to sixty two. Illinois is good. Uh, they will get better. I think once they hit their stride and Terrence Shannon Jr. hit some big free throws for him down the stretch, they won 70 to 62. We'll talk more college basketball. I'll give you the full scoreboard coming up here. As well as hockey, we're going to do our Blues breakdown at 1045 after Travis. Blues are good. I mean, I know my buddy Benjamin Hockman wrote a column this morning in the Post Dispatch that they've been more lucky than good. They won. <laughs> they won three games on the road. I don't care what the heck the luck was. They won. You make your own luck in this game. Uh, so he's right, but I'm also right that they're good enough to find a way to win games. And they won 4-3 to three in all three of them on the road against Calgary, Vancouver, and Seattle. And before that, a 3 nothing win over Washington. That was not luck. That was dominance. So now they come home and they play the Kings today at 1 o'clock. And the Blues are a point out of a playoff spot and two games in hand on Nashville, who they're trailing for that wild card spot. They're going to be playing for the wild card this year. They will not get a top three in the Central. Those teams are way too good. But they have a point to make up here on Nashville. They could do that. Nashville lost yesterday 4-1 to Edmonton. Edmonton has won an obscene 16 games in a row. They're one away from the 92-93 Penguins for the NHL record, tying that, uh, which was set back when that incredible 92-93 Penguins team. So what the Oilers are doing is amazing. Uh, The Blues just need to continue to be consistent, play great defense in front of Jordan Bennington or Joel Hofer, and things should take care of themselves. Special teams are better. They are finding some guys that can score. They're getting healthy. That is important. And if the Blues can absolutely play great defense, that's going to be the key. Play better in front of Benner, play better in front of Hofer, Things should improve, and they are going to do that, I think. I, I I believe that under Drew Bannister. I think they've found their coach. A lot of people will ask that, what it's the latest on the coaching search. Remember, they didn't promote Craig Berube until after he raised the cup. So he was the interim coach all the way through, and I think that's what they'll do here. I think Bannister will be the guy unless something comes along that I'm not aware of and some coach says, hey, I can take, or they think that coach can take us to a cup. I don't think that's where the Blues are right now. I think the Blues are a growing team that is trying to grow this younger core into the future, and I think Bannister is the guy to do that. And that's what we've seen, a more consistent style of hockey. Have they gotten lucky? Sure. But you know what? In the playoffs, you get a little puck luck, as they call it. That's how you got to be in this league. Okay, so big games today. AFC and NFC Championship. We will talk about them. I'm going to push my picks back to 11.45 today, Drew. We'll do that at the end of the show and really go in depth. But I will tell you that I'm wavering a little bit on this AFC game. The NFC, I told you before Detroit won. I don't care who wins that game. They're losing to the 49ers. 49ers will not lose another or will not play another game like they did against the Packers. I think the 49ers will be geared up and ready to go today. And I think they're going to handle the Lions pretty easily. Uh, I could be wrong, but that's a sneak peek of why. I'll tell you at 11.45, but that's a sneak peek of how I feel. I'm going to tease that I'm wavering on Ravens Chiefs. I'm going back and forth a little bit, and I'll tell you why, but I'm going to hold that until 11.45. And you got plenty of time if you're trying to put a wager down because the game's not until 2 o'clock. So I'm not hurting you in that way, I don't think. The line has moved. It has gone from 3.5 to 4.5. 
Last check, the Ravens a four-and-a-half-point favorite at home against the Chiefs. And on the other side, seven-and-a-half is the spread. The 49ers favored, and that has moved. Oh, it's now seven. Okay. So a little money going on. That half point's big. Uh, that half point's big in a touchdown game. So I get that. Detroit now seven. A little money going on Detroit here late. Uh, the Baltimore spread is still four-and-a-half. Four-and-a-half-point favorite at home against the Kansas City Chiefs. I'll get into that for you at 11.45. Also, um, we have John Mozalek on the show today. And Mo is going to talk. I'm going to ask him a lot of things, yes, about pitching. And we'll hear from Brad Thompson here in just a second on his thoughts on that. But also, I'm very curious about contingency plans. So what happens if? And we'll go through that list with Mo at 1130. What happens if a starter goes down? What happens if Edmund, let's say, is not ready for some reason? He will be. But what happens if one of the outfielders goes down to injury? Carlson is the guy. I got it. But can Newt Barr play center field for them? Do they feel confident there that Newt can be your center fielder? Walker can't, but Carlson or Newt Barr could. But who's your fourth guy then if something does happen to one of your outfielders? My other uh, question for him would be backup catcher. Is he confident enough that Herrera can carry a load? Is he confident enough that Contreras can carry a full load? Based on what we saw last year, there was some learning to be done. So we'll get into all that stuff. You know, I want the contingency plans. I think we get it who the MVP candidates are at first and third base. We get it who second base is, Gorman slash Donovan. We think that Mason Wynn's going to make it as the shortstop, although it won't be handed to him. Uh, But there are some questions about this team moving forward as to whether they're going to be great or not. And uh, that is totally understandable. And we have all those questions. We share those with you. Brad Thompson, uh, my partner on the Bally broadcast, says that one of the first things on the list is Sonny Gray. This is a big deal for the Cardinals, not only to their rotation, he becomes their ace, but for the future financially. It is a great pickup for the Cardinals, and especially with the term that they got. It's not my job. I don't care about the the business portion of it, but the Cardinals are always looking towards the future, and they're always making sure that they have flexibility down the road. Sonny Gray provides that from a contract standpoint, and he brings you, like, there's not a question of who's going to get the ball on uh, the game one or big game, who are you going to put out? It's going to be Sonny Gray. Like, that's going to be the guy, and they desperately needed that. Well, I forgot to turn on my microphone. Who is the number two guy? And I asked Mose like that last week, and he said TBD. You know, it's too early to be able to to talk about that even. I seem to think that if they got close to the trade deadline, they would make a deal for a number two or number one and have Gray be the co-one. Uh, but right now, we don't know who that person is. Is it Michaelis? Is it Kyle Gibson? Is it Lance Lynn? Is it Steven Matz? It really depends on who performs better. I would imagine, during the 2024 campaign. Here's Thompson on Gibson. Kyle Gibson, as you know, I mean, he he lives right up the road. He's been wanting to play in St. Louis for a long, long time. I, uh, when near the end of my career, I signed on with the Twins, and he was a young buck coming back from Tommy John. I got, got to build a relationship with him then. Like, he always wanted to have that opportunity to, to play in St. Louis, so I'm excited for that. That's great. Now, how can he pitch, and can he last the full season? Can he do what he did for the Orioles last year, win 15 games, give them quality starts? That's important. He's got to cut down on some of the runs and hits that he's allowed, but he is a strike thrower, and that is very important, and he can go deep into games, and so can Lance Lynn. 
He can do that as well. And Lynn also lives in this area. He lives in Southern Illinois. Brad Thompson says. So you bring in Lance Lynn, who will give you a bunch of innings. And this is not an innings eater thing. He's going to give you quality as well. He also gives you an edge. He gives you leadership. Uh, and I, I think he gives you an element that you don't have enough of. And I think that that is uh, great to bring in. Brad Thompson with Matt Pauley on countdown to opening day. Also discussing another move that the Cardinals made. Non-player move here. Daniel Descalzo joined this staff as Ali Marmel's bench coach. They know each other well. They came up in the organization together. And Thompson says this about scowls. Sometimes you need somebody that, that is going to go the opposite direction or think of things a little different way and not be afraid to to throw that out there. And I think that Descalzo will absolutely do that. This is a guy that is uh, sure in himself. And those that you talk to around, you know, coaching circles, baseball circles, he's got future manager written all over him at some point in his career. Obviously, that would be a path. And a bench coach is not a bad place to start for a job like that, or at least that has been the case here for the Cardinals over the years. For sure. There's Cardinals bench coaches all over the place. You got Marmel himself is a bench coach. Mike Schilt was a bench coach. He's the manager of the Padres. David Bell, the bench coach, is the manager of the Reds. Skip Schumacher, the bench coach, is the manager of the Marlins, and on and on it goes. And certainly Descalzo would seem to be the next one in line. It's a big pickup. It is important. Remember last year, Matt Holliday was the bench coach. Then he backed out. They scrambled. They got Joe McEwing. It was fine to have the former Cardinal there, but this is a holiday-type move for the Cardinals. They wanted someone who has won a championship, who knows Ollie, who understands what this regime needs to do. And that's also why they added Matt Carpenter, among other things. I know that was a lightning rod of a topic, but Carpenter is really just a 26th man with a bat who they hope they can get one last bit of magic out of. They know they can get some leadership out of him. I have my doubts whether he'll last the whole season or even make it through the first couple months or even spring training. I don't know. I mean, what if he doesn't hit? What if somebody else passes him? What if multiple people pass him? Do you keep him? He's making the league minimum. Does he step away? Does he say, you know what? I don't have it anymore. I retire and I'll join the staff. I'll help you out. (laughs) I just don't think it's that big of a deal the Matt Carpenter thing I understand why everyone was upset but it's January I mean just let the thing play out a little bit it's okay but the Descalzo move is a good move it is a good move I'm ambivalent about the Carpenter move I understand it he's going to be a Cardinals Hall of Famer at some point in his life uh, but it didn't move me either way I wasn't like oh terrible and I didn't say yay let's hype it I just, okay, yeah, Matt, yeah, give it another shot. I mean, his name happens to be Matt Carpenter, but it's basically bringing in a vet at the league minimum and let him take some rips and, and see what he can do. He's a DH pinch hitter, period. He's not going to take innings away from somebody out in the field. Let's uh, take a break. When we come back, we'll get you your college basketball scoreboard. It was intense. We had everybody playing yesterday, everybody. And the top 25 had a couple of interesting moments it's all next then travis ford at 10 30 don't go anywhere it's sports on a sunday morning sponsored by gray bar they move they clear space it's johnson it's good for xavier johnson with 2.8 on the clock what a game that was bally sports midwest was a pleasure to be part of it as southern illinois comes back from 20 down in the second half, 25-3 to run. They beat Murray State yesterday, 60-58. to Drew, my seventh-grade girls team at Ledoux, came back and beat Parkway Central down 12 in the second half, shorthanded. We won it by one. I'm so proud of those girls. The look on their faces after getting a win and 
uh, a tough one for the opponent. And we, of course, you know, feel for them and we win this game. And I know the other coach and like, you know, it's, it's tough to, to see anybody lose a game, but for my girls to win that one felt so good. And I thought that was going to be the best comeback of the weekend. It was not the 20 point comeback in the second half by SIU that I got to witness was amazing. I mean, the Salukis did not play well for 25 minutes and then it just clicked and it's all drew. It's all about defense. Defense wins in every sport, basically. And certainly in basketball, you have got to defend. You have to, and it will create offense. And that's exactly what happened to Southern Illinois. They started making shots. Yes, but they actually were able to bear down and defend. And they did that and won a terrific game against Murray state yesterday. That was the game of the day, at least in my book, uh, elsewhere in the Valley, Missouri State beat Valpo 81-70. Evansville beat Illinois State 58-54. A game that doesn't have maybe as much local interest, but it should because they're going to be the number one seed, I think, when they come to Arch Madness. This Indiana State team is the real deal. I mean, they they beat my team, Indiana. They beat them by 20 right now, without a doubt. I mean, I don't care where the game is played, Assembly Hall or Holman Center. I mean, that team is incredible. If they go to the NCAA tournament, which I believe they will, whether as champion of Arch Madness or as an at-large, they are going to be a problem. Uh, they beat a really good Bradley team yesterday at home by a final in overtime uh, of 91-86. And, I'm sorry, 95-86 in overtime. They finished them off. And they were just amazing. I mean, the way that they cut, they play an NBA style where they just cut you, cut you, cut you, and and they can run multiple sets, and they don't call plays. They just cut to the basket. They pass. They shoot. They're they're the best three-point shooting team in America. Indiana State is amazing, and I can't believe they're not ranked, and they will be here eventually, but their net rating is very high. Uh, It's about 23 right now, which is one of the better teams in the country right now. Uh, Drake is also very good. They beat Northern Iowa 77-63. They're a game behind Indiana State. Indiana State's 18-3 overall, 9-1 in the Valley. We're going to talk to Travis Ford about UMass 84-73 win over the Billikens. Mizzou lost to South Carolina, I mentioned, 72-64. They're 0-7 in the SEC. Illinois, I talked about that over Indiana, 70-62. We talked Ohio Valley earlier this morning. Lindenwood lost. SIUE won, though. And Southeast Missouri State lost. Top 25, number one, number two, UConn-Purdue both play today. UConn gets Xavier. Purdue takes on Rutgers. Number three, North Carolina. They are back. They beat Florida State 75-68. Fourth-ranked Houston beat K-State. Pounded them 74-52. Tennessee, number five in the country, beat Vanderbilt 75-62. The number six team is Kentucky. They rallied and beat Arkansas 63-57. Auburn lost. The number eight team in the country, 64-58, but number seven, Kansas. Oh, my. They go to Hilton Coliseum, little Hilton magic for Iowa State. The number 23 team in the country beat them 79-75. They rushed the floor. Iowa State was favored in this game by four and a half, but I don't blame the kids for rushing the floor. That's fun. Anytime you beat Kansas is a good day. Who cares if you're the favorite or not or whatever people think. Rush, Let the kids do what they want. Rush the floor. It's awesome. Uh, they beat Kansas. Cyclones are really good. A ninth-ranked Arizona topped Oregon, 87-78. And I mentioned Illinois, top 10. They beat Indiana 70-62. to 
Watch out for a few teams kind of hanging around near the bottom of that, uh, including Creighton. They will be back. Uh, Creighton is 17. They'll be dangerous in the tournament. They beat DePaul 85-62. St. Louis and Ryan Kalkbrenner with 22. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So Let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Points in that win over DePaul. We will take a timeout. We'll talk to Travis Ford next. Billikens win! Billikens win! Once again, from the Stiefel Financial Sports Studio, Tom Ackerman. We are back on the show. This Billiken Report, sponsored by Royal Banks of Missouri. The SLU women play today at 2 o'clock at home against Richmond. This is a big game for them. Richmond 17-4. and four. The Billikens 8-12. and 12. Uh, but they are coming off a win at George Washington. And these Sunday afternoon games, they draw good crowds there. So come on by, bring the kids, let them sign some autographs and have a little fun in Midtown as SLU women take on Richmond. And we support, of course, Rebecca Tillett and her crew. Joining us now is the head coach of the Billikens men's team, and that's Travis Ford. Coach, as always, great to talk some basketball with you. How are you doing? Well, I know the answer to that. That's It wasn't the greatest yeah. day last night, but great to have you yeah, on the show. No, no. Not doing the best, but uh, good morning. Appreciate you having me on. Thank Mo- you. Morning. What are nights like that for you? I mean, I, not to get too deep into your personal life, but, you know, after something like that, or I heard your postgame show, I mean, you know, exasperated is the word that I would use. I mean, you're, you said it yourself. We're kind of grasping for straws at this point. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, you know, they're always long nights at this point, studying film and trying to do what we can do to help, uh, help our team get better. Um, you know, breaking down last night's game, and then we have a you know another quick kind of turnaround here. We we head to Chicago, and uh, so we're getting ready for that game as well. So no, they're always long nights, whether win or lose, uh, regardless. But uh, you know, especially now when we're trying to figure out you know how we can defend better and rebound better and do a lot of things better right now. But yeah, long long nights. I'm sure. And, you know, I heard you say it's on us, meaning the staff, and we have to figure it out. The job of this coaching staff is to prepare this team for battle, to prepare this team to win. You have a game plan. You have scouting. You look at every little aspect of the opponent, and your scouting report said that this team will drive one-on-one. They will go into the post and although they were hitting some threes early, you told them, didn't you? Stick to it. Stick to this game plan. We have got to guard them. This is what we taught you this week. Yet it didn't happen. Yeah, you know it. Uh, you know they they when you watch tape on UMass, you 
quickly realize they're one of the top scoring teams in the country. The stats say that, so that's easy to see. But how they do it is by pace uh, and by one-on-one and, and post touches. Um, it's not, you know, and, and they've got a really, really good center. who's very efficient, and they've got really good one-on-one athletic guards that we knew we'd had, you know, we've had some trouble with, but we we tried to implement a few things team defensively, rotation-wise, gap-wise, um, that we hope would, would would you know would try to sustain some of their driving. Uh, and you know, they're one of the worst teams in the league as far as making threes. I think they were making five threes a game coming in. They had five in the first half, but. You know, you got to play. The, you know, at some point for us defensively, you got to kind of play the odds. You got to pick and choose what you're going to try to stop. Uh, and halftime, we did tell our guys stick with taking away the drive, taking away the paint. I don't. You know, we don't believe they're going to keep making these threes that they're making. Uh, you know, one guy made two who was shooting about twenty, twenty-two percent, twenty-three percent, whatever it was, and. Uh, and they did just that, but they started driving us. They just started driving us one-on-one, watching the film. It's just literally one-on-one and offensive rebounding. Those two things really, really hurt us, really hurt us. They're the number one offensive rebounding team in the league because of their athleticism and physicality. But um, we, did a, we did a good job on both the first half um, and really had a letdown in the second half. Rebounding and 50-50 balls are about do you want it or not? Isn't it what it comes down to? I mean, do you want that ball? Do you want to get it before the opponent? That's really it, isn't it? I mean, you can teach that, of course, but you don't need talent to have that necessarily, do you? No, not at all. Um, you know, a good example, Jordan Goodwin. You look at Jordan Goodwin, who played for us a couple of years ago that's in the NBA right now. Um, you know, 6'3", I wouldn't call him overly athletic, Um at all uh, and averaged 10 rebounds a game and one of the better offensive rebounders in the country. Um, probably the number one offensive rebounder from the guard spot at his size in the country. And it was a sheer just understanding of a will and a want. Um, and it takes some toughness, uh, which obviously he had. It takes some, some grit and understanding of wanting success and being self-motivated uh, to want uh, to want to go get the ball, to own the ball, to, you know, help your team, you um, and absolutely, uh, Tom, no question. Sometimes it just uh, comes down to will and want and pride, you know, outworking somebody. I mean, willing to take a little pain, too. I mean, I'm not questioning your team's toughness in that respect. It could be some guys banged up, but isn't that also part of the game, too? I mean, you know that a team like Frank Martin's team is going to be physical. So Yeah, you know. no, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I've I played the game my whole life, and you know, yeah, very rarely do you feel good. You're always hurt. Something's hurting, and that's part of it. And you got to be able to stick your nose in there, and you know, get your nose a little dirty and grind it out. And you know, that's part of it. Uh, it's probably not, uh, you know, probably not the right sport if uh, if you're not willing to do that. Uh, there's probably some other sports that not quite as, you know, causes as much contact and aggressiveness, and uh, that basketball is or football or something. But uh, uh, yeah. You better be able to play through some. Uh, you better be able to get uncomfortable a little bit. You got to make yourself a little bit uncomfortable, um, and uh, you know, yeah, that's definitely part of it. That's for sure. Yeah, and drawing up schemes and talking about strategy and being at where you need to be. 
but I heard you say it last night. It really comes down to you have to guard your man. I mean, you just have to. You have to guard who you're assigned to. And, yes, there are switches and, and communication that has to take place along with that, too. I guess my question to you is what game do you think was the best in terms of guarding your man? What did you see this year, and can you replicate it? Yeah, you know, unfortunately, we had a whole lot of full games that uh, you you look back. Um, you know, we I thought we defended uh, Louisiana Tech really well uh, for the most part. That they were a very high scoring team, very high scoring team. We we really defended them in this in the first half. wasn't quite as good as second half, but it was enough. Hofstra is a high scoring team. You look at NC State uh, on the road, which is uh, you know a high high scoring team. I think we held them to twenty eight in the first half. You know Dayton, we held uh, I think thirty or twenty eight somewhere at home at, at Dayton. Um, we've had some good games. You look at uh, even two games ago against Davidson, we held them to I think they had twenty nine or thirty at half. Those are those are great numbers, not good numbers. Those are great numbers. We just hasn't, and so as we keep telling our team, you, it's not, it's not like you don't know how to do it. It's not like you don't understand what to do because you're doing it for, tw- you know, for for 20 minutes, 25 minutes, 30 minutes. Right now, it's about sustainability, and we've talked about that a lot. You and I have talked about it. it's being able to sustain it, and that's part of going back to what we just talked about. You got to get yourself uncomfortable. You can't just give in when things get, you know, fatigue. Every team. When it gets down late in the game, is you know they're not as fresh as they were. But who's going to dig a little deeper? And you know, again, I've been there, done it. And uh, you know, that's when you you know you separate yourself from being from going to a poor or good or average to great. It's all the above. You know, that can separate people when it gets to that ten minute mark. Uh, what you made of. Uh, and uh, you know, we we're it's a work in progress for us to continue to develop the habits that we need to sustain it because our guys have shown that they can do it. We just got to be able to do it for a longer period of time. This is Travis Ford. Last thing for you, you have been there and done that. I mean, you have coached, you have played at the highest of levels. You to helped uh, Kentucky get to the highest uh, mark that uh, that you can, playing for the chance to play for a national championship. You have coached at UMass, first of all, which has – I know that you know they're an A10 team that's fighting right now, but they have great tradition. They've made the Final Four. I know that ended up getting vacated, but they made the Final Four. They've made the Elite Eight. They were really good in the '90s. Their fans are demanding. Uh, Oklahoma State. I mean, you've been down this road. So w- where I'm going here is the outside pressures that are out there. Do you hear them? Do you feel them? Do you block them out? And since you've been down the road multiple times, you understand how to navigate them. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't hear it a lot. I know it. You know, it's there. I mean, that's true for any sporting team in the country that's not performing the way they want to and not having a, a good season so far. So you know, it's there. That's part of sports. I don't care who you are, uh, or NBA, NFL. Uh, it doesn't matter. So you know, it's there. Uh, I don't even blame it. Uh, you know, I don't blame fans for being frustrated. I'm sure they are, and uh, I don't blame them a bit. I'm, everybody's frustrated. We all want to do better. That's that's part of sports. That's part of, you know, part of it. Um, but, you know, it doesn't affect uh, at all how we go about our daily business of trying to prepare our team and get better every single day and uh, trying to get better and, uh, you know, watching film and 
meeting with our players and doing individual work and trying to be better the next time. I mean, that's just, that's, you know, the way, uh, you know, I think anybody's got to go about it, but now, you know, it's there. No question. I mean, uh, you know, uh, that's, that goes with it. Travis Ford, head coach of the Billikens. Slew is at Loyola on Tuesday night. They got you at Chaffetz, 80-73. to 73. Looking to get them back at uh, their – I love their little arena there, the Genteel Center up yeah. in, in the uh, northern uh, area of Chicago. Uh, looking forward to that. And uh, thank you, as always, for joining us on KMOX. We'll have the coaches show tomorrow. I'll be with Rebecca Tillett as you and the boys uh, are up in Chicago. And thanks very much for being with us. Tom, always appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Travis Ford with us on KMOX as the Billikens dropped one yesterday to UMass. We'll take a break. When we come back, the Billikens have lost four in a row. The Blues have won four in a row, and they play today at one. I think fans are probably starting to make their way downtown, belly up to the bar a little bit and get themselves ready for some hockey. We will talk about the Blues for you next. Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. Once again, from the Stiefel Financial Sports Studio, Tom Ackerman. Plenty waiting. And looks in front, but everybody's covered. But he's still with it. For Shan, wide open. He scores! Shan, the winner! In overtime! What a win by the Blues in Vancouver! And Shen is the hero! John Kelly with the call on Bally Sports Midwest. That was a terrific one right there. That was on Wednesday night. Back-to-back 4-3 wins for the Blues. They beat Calgary 4-3. They came back from 3-1 down. That one, they were up 3-1. The Canucks, best team in the NHL, uh, came back and tied it. And then Shen, the captain, scored in overtime. And then on Saturday, uh, Friday, uh, the Blues do it again. Uh, They go to Seattle, another team that is fighting in the Western Conference, and they pull out another 4-3 victory. The Blues are really something. Uh, This was Pavel Buchnevich this time who got the job done. That was on uh, a Friday night in Seattle against the Kraken. Buchnevich scored twice in that game, a 4-3 win, and the interim coach of the St. Louis Blues is Drew Bannister. This is our Blues breakdown on KMOX. I thought uh, I thought the first period we played well. Like uh, I thought we we played some pretty good hockey. Um, then we we started uh, the second period, uh, got ourselves into some issues with you know whether it was turnovers, um, you know being not being able to get pucks underneath uh, when we had opportunities to to get guys off the ice. We got caught out in you know on our line changes or some long shifts in the D zone. Um, you know, but the, the third period we came out quick and started to forecheck a lot more. Um, you know, I thought we did a lot of staying around the second period. Like one guy would be forechecking. We had no one in second second quick uh, to, to get any pucks. So it was it was easy on them in the second period, and you could see that they had a lot of energy. Uh, but but certainly we had a lot of energy coming into the third, and we made a push and you know able to get that tying goal. Had some good good looks after that, but uh, you know. It's nice to get the extra point. It's been a successful road trip for us here. For sure it has. The Blues are a point out of a playoff spot in the West, out of the wild card, trailing Nashville, who lost to the Oilers 4-1. Edmonton's won 16 in a row, one off the NHL record set by the 92-93 Penguins, and that helps the Blues, who have two games in hand. And it's a long way to go, but they are chasing down a playoff spot. If they can do it, that would be really something under interim coach Drew Bannister, wouldn't you say? 
Pavel Buchnevich, he had the tying goal at 127 of the third and the winning goal at 331 of OT. Uh, we got the rebound, Sharon got the, got the shot and give it to me pass. And uh, I know we're kind of tired. Like, a couple guys stuck for like more than a minute and uh, check out to the middle and uh, make some room for Sharon. Uh, I was thinking maybe he bring it to the net and uh, give it to him. Uh, guys jump and he make a hell of a pass to me and I got a basically empty net. Cannot do, he not give me the better pass, so I just got to hit the net lately. I missed the net a lot, so good I hit the net right now. Yeah, what, was the, what was the celebration there? Uh, hard to explain, I just explained there, so you, 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 will, you can find there. Uh, yeah, kind of like, it's, uh, talk to the body like a couple days ago, like we have a Russian guy, he doesn't score like a couple, couple years and he scored a goal and do that silly, but we canceled the goal offside or goal interference, something like that, so I just... It remind me, and uh, I just, I think it's funny. Yeah. All right, so he did like a rowboat or canoe celebration or something along those lines. <laughs> Pavel Bujdevich, uh talking about it. This is Robert Thomas. So he actually references this in his postgame discussion with the media. Thomas assisted on the tying goal, his 34th assist for the All-Star. Bujdnevich scored his 15th and 16th, and then the celebration. Bucci, uh, have a celly like that too. <laughs> I didn't get to see it, but uh, he was ex- trying to explain it to me after, and I still have no idea what he's talking about. So, um, yeah, big goal for him and a guy that's played well for us a while for a while, and uh, just hasn't seemed to be able to find the back of the net. So it's a big goal. Oh, there we go. What the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like you said, I mean, he's played well, but you know, they were showing him the celebration on video. Kind of momentum or confidence building with him yeah I think it's just confidence uh I mean when you're not able to find the net much um you know you kind of the net gets smaller and the goalies get bigger so uh it's nice for him to start to see it a little bit better and uh obviously goals happen when uh when you have confidence your your power play goal are you just trying to get a, a stick on it like how are you reading that play there <laughs> yeah I mean I was pretty much just standing there and, and Scotty made a great shot and just put it off my stick I didn't really move much so um See that here? That's good. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was uh, it was a great play by him. How important was that, considering kind of the way the ice had been tilted the, for the first half of the second period there to get that goal for you? Yeah, I think uh, you know first two periods. I think they we had some chances, but uh, I think they really dictated the game and uh, power play kept us in it. And uh, we came out in third with a with a purpose, and um, you know that's ultimately what uh, led us to our success tonight. What's kind of the feeling after this road trip? I mean, going going three and zero on it. Yeah, I mean, a uh, huge road trip. Um, you know, three teams that are, are playing a lot better. Uh, Calgary's been a lot better. Vancouver's been uh, one of the top of the league, and uh, Seattle, especially at home, has been really good. So, uh, you know, we knew it was a tough task, and uh, couldn't be happier to get three wins. That's a good trip for the Blues for sure. Going three and zero, winning all three games. Four to three, and now they're home today against the Los Angeles Kings. That one gets going at one o'clock over at Enterprise Center. There's a couple parking spots still available outside our building. I can see here, by the way, just a little tip on Pine, Thirteenth and Pine. If you want to snag one of those, would be a good idea for the one o'clock game. Then go get yourself a beer at the pitch or something like that. Maggie O'Brien's. Anyway, uh, the Blues take on the Kings today, and the Blues are in a good spot here. I mean, they have two games in hand with uh, Nashville, as I mentioned. Uh, the Blues play the Kings today. 
They play Columbus on Tuesday at home. So they have two chances here to get after Nashville, who has sputtered a little bit and maybe here in the footsteps. And then they won't play again until after the All-Star break, February 10th at Buffalo. In fact, they go to Buffalo, Montreal, and Toronto right out of the gate after the All-Star break. But a very good trip for the Blues. If they end up making a playoff spot, one of the things you'll point to is the fact that they went to Western Canada and the Northwest and Seattle, and they won all three. That's a really nice road trip for them. The Blues and the Kings today at 1 o'clock. Well, just up the road from there is City Park. Won't be long. That place will be rocking again. We'll talk some soccer with Lutz, Fan, and Steel and Diego Gigliani coming up on KMOX in the 11 o'clock hour. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.